can you believe it is 2023, right? It seems like every year somebody asks that kind of question, and I always chuckle when I hear somebody ask that. Can you believe it's 2023? How can it possibly be 2023? Right? For some of you, you might have just, oh, it just seems like I just started high school. It just seems like I just graduated high school. It just seems like I just started college. It just seems like I just graduated college. It just seems like I just got married. It just seems like I just had kids. And then somehow, you know, your kids have kids. And then somehow you just, you're just you a grandparent, right? All these things happen in life, and it seems to happen so fast. As we know, the list could go on of the things that just pass us by. And it's interesting, our perception of time. In one sense, we can say to ourselves, wow, that seems like yesterday. But in the, then in the same breath say, wow, that was a long time ago. Our perception of time is interesting and is most certainly different than what God understands time to be, right? After all, God began this whole thing. God began life as we know it. There's a beginning to us, but there's not a beginning to him. And so to begin this new year, I want to take a deep look at the gospel of John. Now, that's probably my favorite gospel. It's sometimes called the spiritual Gospel. But before going to the beginning, let's take a look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so to begin with, we've got to understand why John is writing. He's writing so that people may come to believe. But that's not the only goal. John chapter 15. John 15 verses 5 and 6. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, uh, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So when John writes to them that I write this to you so that you may believe, I don't think he just means momentary belief. All right, John, he wants you to abide in Christ. So when he says, I write this so that you may believe, no, it's not just momentarily believe. He means believe and keep believing. As we know, Colton, uh, Daniel's son, just got baptized this past Friday, and I'm afraid many people have a misconception with coming to Christ that it's, okay, here we go, I'm going to get baptized. Uh, it's momentary belief. I put my belief in him, and that's it. It's a lifetime relationship. Right? It, this is not part of the sermon, but we're going to go there anyway. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that he who has born concerning his Son. 
Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Water, blood, and spirit, those three testify. That is the testimony we have. That is the testimony that Christ gave us and the testimony through which we have life, water, spirit, and blood. Some people stop at the water. Some people try to stop at the blood. But no, it's three, water, spirit, and blood. So I I congratulate Colton uh, being baptized, but I, I hope he realizes now it's a life with the Spirit, the Spirit sanctifying you, the Spirit changing you, Jesus constantly working on your life. And so in the Gospel of John, John is not trying to mislead us, saying, oh, just believe. No, he means I write this to you so that you can believe and so that you can keep believing. All right, so if you want a simple uh, one-sentence uh, vision of what John has, the purpose of the gospel, believe and keep believing. Now, I want us to take us back all the way to the beginning of John. John chapter 1. Uh, I, I will real quick apologize last week. I did preach a sermon over 30 minutes. I was like, wow. Looking back, I watched it. I was like, oh my goodness, I really preached that long? Mm. I made a promise to myself I would never do that, but I broke that promise, I guess. So John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Spoiler alert, the Word is Jesus, as we're going to later see in this chapter. In the beginning was the Word. What are the implications of that statement? Well, he's taking us all the way back to Genesis, right? Those first three words are the exact words said in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, was Christ. So the implication being Christ was there. Christ was there when everything was started, when life as we know it began. Christ was there. Not only was there, obviously he was there before everything happened. That's the implication of this statement. But what was before? Before creation, what was there? Obviously, we presume a spiritual reality in which God exists. uh, And really, this might be a little deep, but in holy communion with who he is as Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, But even past that, we we don't really have much knowledge. You know, we kind of presume, okay, God had spiritual beings like angels with him. Uh, We don't know too much. We presume a spiritual reality, but we don't know exactly how it was before. Moving on. And the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. What are the implications of that statement? The Word was with God. So in a sense, the Word is a person apart from God. The Word was with God. That's kind of what this verse is saying here. Distinct from God to an extent, 
But you keep going on in John chapter 1, verse 1, and the Word was God. How can the Word both be with God and was God? All right, what are the implications of that statement? I want us to take, take us back all the way to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was a last-minute edition. It's not in the slides. Uh, last minute. Uh, don't, don't think I procrastinated or anything. It was just something that popped up in my mind. I was like, you know what, we need to talk about this. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We'll actually read just verse 4 because it has what I want there. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hold on to that word, one. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Something interesting about those two verses, that word there for one is the same word. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when it says the Lord our God is one, and when it says the, the two shall become one flesh, that's the same word for one. And so what you see with that Hebrew word for one is that it can mean like uh, parts to a unity, members of a whole, as man and wife become one flesh. God is one, but not just a singular person, so to speak. God is one, as we understand the uh, Godhead or the Trinity. And so when we read this phrase here, the, this word at the beginning of John, the word was with God and the word was God, I think that's absolutely to mean that Jesus is a part of that Godhead, that oneness, that unity that is God. The word at the beginning was with God and was God, which means... Jesus participated in the act of creation. Being God, Jesus began this whole thing. So at the beginning of John, what John is doing, he's trying to give us an understanding of who the person of Christ really is. right? Because the person of Christ is not just some human being who obtained divinity. Right? Some people believe that, but let's make one thing clear. The text does not say that. Jesus was not just some human who obtained divinity. No, Jesus was there. He was with God, and he was God. He was in the beginning. The Gospel of John really is where we get our bulk of our theology of the Trinity or the Godhead. Now, yes, it is true. The word Trinity is never used in Scripture, but we see the building blocks in the Scripture to have this Theology. Jesus is a person of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, three in one. That's our best explanation. Right? But here's the thing. Does that fully explain God? No. Right? Now, the biggest reason some people have an issue with the Trinity or the Godhead is because they don't think it makes sense according to our human understanding. But, of course it isn't. Right? Of course, God is beyond our understanding. And here's the thing. If we think we can boil God down, we deceive ourselves. We cannot fully understand God. A quote I mentioned uh, several weeks ago from St. Augustine is, if you can understand it, it's not God. 
Right? So the moment you think you've finally boiled God down, the moment you think you fully understand God, is the moment that you have boiled God down to yourself. You limit God if you think you completely understand God. The Apostle Paul, he says that he sees in a mirror dimly. The Apostle Paul who wrote most of what is in our New Testament, the authoritative Scripture that we take, that we believe, says, I see in a mirror dimly. Yes, he wrote most of our New Testament, but he says, man, I still don't quite clearly see God. Because God is so much more than what I can understand. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I certainly believe God has communicated to us through what is in here. I certainly believe this is authoritative. I certainly believe that he inspired what is in here. But does this paint a full picture of God? Does Scripture paint a full picture of God? That's a serious question. Some people would say it would, but I'm not so sure. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Verse 25. Does Scripture paint a full picture of God and what He accomplished? John chapter 21, verse 25. That's why I'm not, I'm not even in John right now. I, I flipped to Acts and went to Acts chapter 21. That's not right. Uh, John chapter 21, verse 25. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. No amount of human words can adequately describe who God is and what he has accomplished. So when I ask you, does this really paint a full picture of God, Scripture itself really says no. This is the best we got, that's true. This testifies to who Christ was, and Christ is the most full picture we have of God. But even Scripture, even the world, could not contain what God has accomplished. There are not enough human words to adequately describe God and who he is. And so when we read at the beginning of John chapter 1 that the word and Jesus was with God and was God, we can understand that sentence. We can understand what that means, but don't make any mistake thinking that fully describes God because it doesn't. Because those are human words. John chapter 1, verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Again, establishing the oneness with God, yet the personhood of Christ. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Again, some people think that Jesus was a human who obtained divinity, but that's not what the text says here. Right? None of this happens. None of creation, nothing we see, nothing we touch, nothing we feel, nothing we smell happens without Christ. Creation does not happen. Creation does not exist without him because Jesus is a member of the Godhead. See, in a way, you cannot have one without another. Now, this is an inadequate explanation, but just think about our heart, brain, and lungs, right? Three members, very necessary members of our one body. Without your heart, you die. Without your brain, you die. Without your lungs, you die. 
Right? Now, I know that's not an adequate explanation, but you get my point. We can kind of understand, kind of, the Godhead like this. Three necessary members of one. Of one unity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And without Jesus, there's no creation to begin with because he's a necessary member of the Godhead. Without him, nothing happens that we see in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. There was light. Verse 6, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. In verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit, trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its own kind on earth. Verse 14, and God said, let the lights be in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And then God said in verse 26, let us make man in our own image. See, none of that happens. None of that happens without Christ. Everything would not exist without him. God created, he saw that it was good. But then in such a tragic way, his own creation, mankind, polluted creation with evil, with sin, we have caused creation pain. And then God, through Christ, entered into creation. He entered into what he made to face suffering, but to become a new creation. Light in the darkness, new creation in the old, so that we may be made new. So in this new year, as time continues to pass us by, I hope you are continually made new by Christ. Christ who began this all, Christ who now entered into the world and became a new, really a new being so that we could become perfect through Him. If you want to be made new, you can as we stand and sing.